Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Carly J. Case. Carly helps SaaS companies gain market traction, build inbound, increase closing, fill the pipeline, and scale. She is an expert in streamlining B2B technology companies to ignite rapid growth. Carly is currently the founder and CEO of RevSpark and specializes in helping companies who are in the startup to scale up phase, seed through series B, uh, and those that are below 25 million. Carly, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Thank you so much, Brandy. I am so excited to be here and to talk about rehabbing revenue because this is such a topic that I am so passionate about. I can't wait to get started. Awesome. Well, before we jump right in, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So Carly, tell me, what buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? Okay, you're going to be really surprised because I'm going to say marketing content. Wow. <laughs> and here's why. So we are a content agency. Content is what we do. And I've found that when I speak to people about what we do, they hear the word content and they instantly think marketing content. It's somehow segmented away from sales collateral or good copywriting uh, in emails or customer enablement content that's like user email flows or upgrade sequences. All of this is separate from marketing content. So I would love to banish that idea that marketing content is something completely separate from all of these other things that the buyer might touch during their buyer journey when they get uh, engaged with your brand, become a customer, and then move to expansion of the account. Really, content is just content and it's full funnel. And we need to stop thinking that marketing is responsible for it because it really is the whole journey. I love that. I know it is going to take some discipline for me to not use the term marketing content in this conversation, but I'm going to try my best because I do agree with you wholeheartedly in that content is content and marketing just happens to be responsible for creating a component of it. And that varies company to company because in some cases, all of it lives within marketing and in other cases, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, so I love that. So now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Yeah, yeah. Today, we're going to talk about kickstarting lead flow and becoming a content machine. Two things that I really love to bring to businesses. I love that. And, you know, content is something that I'm always really passionate about and, you know, feel it is it really is the key to everything when it comes to the customer journey. So I'm excited to talk to you about that. 
And I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus. It gives us purpose. And most important, it tells our audience what they should expect. So as we dive into, you know, kickstarting lead flow and becoming a content machine, what are your best hopes for our talk today? What do you want people to take away? Yeah, what I would love people to hear, understand, and take away with them is that content creation doesn't have to be this incredibly overwhelming thing that is going to take a lot of time. There's a lot of ways to streamline your process and create a great system around creating a lot of content from a single source piece. And I would love to share some tips and tricks with you for doing that. Perfect. I think that's a good place to start our discussion because I know, you know, if you look at the history of content marketing, I mean, it goes back like way, way, way back. Um, but when I think it was like the early 2000s when content really, you know, started to, to really grow. And at that point, everyone was focused on creating a bunch of stuff. Like it was all about volume. You know, that was when we started really focusing on SEO and you had to get all of the things out there. And then it got to the point where it seemed like the content became noise and you started hearing a lot of quality over quantity. And so when I hear the term content marketing engine or content marketing machine, you know, I'm kind of like, I almost am like, oh, that would be lovely, but who has the time? And I think you hit on that and that it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Um, so let's, let's start there. How do you make it not overwhelming? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point that um, basically in the evolution of, of content, a lot of it has been dominated by SEO. And the idea that in order to create lots of backlinks, we just need to create a lot of sort of noisy content. That's that very top of funnel, high level, basic, like if you're in the market for a new car, you search and what comes up is what is a car? Like that stuff is not helpful. And as any marketer knows, if you are looking for a solution to a pain point, you don't need to be told what a marketing automation system is. So having a lot of that generic high level stuff is not what we're talking about when we talk about um, generating a lot of content. We really focus in on generating effective content for your audience, things that will take them from each step of that buyer or customer journey to the next step forward, supplying them with what they want by anticipating the questions that they're asking and also finding those questions from your analytics, um, but also giving them actionable things that will create those uh, sort of buyer intent or moving a stage intent signals that will help you understand, is this even working? Are we moving these people forward in their journey or are they just bouncing out, getting confused and not getting their questions answered? So we're very much about the middle to bottom of funnel content. And that's what I'm talking about here, becoming a content machine for stuff that works and not stuff that just generates uh, links to sort of game SEO. Okay. And so thinking about our audience, you know, the majority of our listeners are CMOs, heads of marketing. And so they are having to set the direction for their team to, you know, determine what roles they need, where the resources are going to be spent, et cetera. And I know that one of the challenges that comes up is you think about there's a lot of demand gen efforts that have to happen. Like, you know, with a large company, content syndication, you pay for it, whether you use it or not. You know, we've got all these uh, display and, and PPC and all of these paid initiatives to get us in front of more people. 
which requires content. Then we have what you're talking about is more of the back end where we're, we're looking at middle and bottom of the funnel. And I think a lot of leaders, you know, almost feel caught between a rock and a hard place in agreeing that that middle and bottom of the funnel is the stuff that really matters, but also recognizing they've got all these demand gen programs that they've got to develop stuff for. So what advice do you have for those that are trying to deploy limited resources and kind of serve, you know, and, and we can get to customer marketing later, but just trying to service the whole funnel, you know, when you don't necessarily, I mean, especially right now, you know, there's economic challenges, all these things. What advice do you have for those leaders? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, and as you did mention, we are heading into some economic challenges as well, where budgets have to be spent very, very wisely. Um, when it comes to demand gen, I'm very much a fan of first separating the demand gen efforts into two buckets. One is that low hanging fruit of people already in market, you know, as all marketers know, though, that's your easiest ones. And then the group that is not. The group that is not is going to be your brand awareness targeting for your demand gen. And I, I feel that sometimes um, some things can go wrong there where they're being served up ads that are really not brand awareness that are really more asking for the sale, trying to get them to, uh, you know, get a demo. Um, these people who are not already in market, who are not um, showing those buying signals, as we know, it's kind of a waste of money. And we have to really just target them with sort of brand awareness. And that is a much longer play. Um, and so now with budgets being uh, constrained, I would say really the play is going to be your low hanging fruit. And that is where a lot of the budgets are going to have to go. Um, and so in capturing the existing demand, a lot of that is going to be search queries and then pulling uh, anonymous visitors from your website using different technologies. Um, there's a bunch of them. I don't know if I should mention anything specifically. I say totally up to you. you okay. Can talk about um, your favorites so things, if you'd like. <laughs> so things like lead feeder, lead post. Clearbit. All of these are technologies that can go on the website that can capture anonymous visitors. And you can, with a certain degree of guesswork, um, LinkedIn pixels and other things, you can figure out who you can target and then start sending outbound email campaigns and retargeting ads to them. So the marketing ops people on your team are going to be absolutely essential in getting the data and then making it actionable for the demand gen, gen team. So these people are critical, especially in an economic downturn. I love that. Marketing ops is, you know, it's one of those things that I think is starting to get a bit of, of the recognition it deserves. But for so many years, it was like, you know, almost like the ops people were locked in a closet somewhere, like, you know, churning away. Nobody knew what they did or what value. And I love connecting the marketing ops to the the content and helping to drive what needs to exist and where to put those efforts because there is so much insight that comes out of the technology that can be used to drive your whole strategy like i talk about that a lot with marketing automation because email is our sweet spot that there's so much information there that can inform your demand gen strategy um, and all these things that, and content plays a key role of that 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I find the uh, the ops uh, sector of uh, the department is really going to be a wonderful place to get insights on what visitors are doing, how people are interacting with your content that can help drive further content creation efforts and finding where people are falling out of your funnel and where the friction is so that you can start to smooth away those frictions. Okay. And I think, you know, I generally get to the action items at the end, but I do think that this is a key action item is for the marketing leaders to go sit down with marketing ops, rev ops, and figure out what they can give you that can help to inform the content strategy and the demand strategy. A hundred percent. And I would say always involve your frontline sales team in those conversations because they can tell you exactly where the frictions are that they see from the front end that can be then brought back to ops seeing, okay, this is what's on the back end that's causing that friction. Here is how we can solve it. So always having that full loop of feedback amongst your team is key to creating better content and a better experience for everybody. I want to shift gears a little bit and jump back to something else you said in the beginning where you talked about being able to, you know, be a content machine and being able to like repurpose and create multiple pieces of content from the same thing. Um, And I know, you know, coming up through my career, it was always, you know, one meaty piece of content turns into eight or 10 uh, pieces of additional content. There's all sorts of frameworks around that. Um, And so I definitely like to hear your thoughts on how as a marketing leader, I can guide my content team to be able to, you know, work with as little as we have and get as much out of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what what we advise is always uh, creating basically your plan based on sort of three action items. And so the first action item is going to be your content calendar, uh, content creation calendar. Uh, When are you creating this one meaty piece of content? The second action item is making sure that you have the tools in place to repurpose. And there are a lot of great tools like Banner Bear or ClipScribe that will create auto-generated versions of what you've created already taking little um, little thumbnails or screenshots, things like that, that are very, very helpful and that can help. Um, so you need to make sure that the tools are part of your mix um, and look into them if you haven't already. And then the third part is going to be your content repurposing SOP. And that's creating a standard operating procedure for each piece of content. Let's say it's a podcast recording. Um, What needs to be created from this, as in from each podcast recording, we create four LinkedIn posts for the company page. The um, the CEO puts out three posts about that have uh, clips from this podcast in it, or maybe some quotes from it. We create five quote graphics, whatever that is specifying that out for your company, and then writing all the steps down in exactly what does it take to do this. And I find tools like Tango are really great to use because you just do a recording on what to do, how to put images in Canva, or what to do here and there, how to use Banner Bear, whatever it is. You just record it, and then Tango just uh, creates the SOP for it. So being able to hand that to anybody on your team, and even using uh, people who are assistants very new to um, new to the work can be very helpful because then you don't need people who are very high level doing a lot of other things. You can really give it to people who are just, they generate versions of the content ready for all of your channels and queue them up ready to go. 
That is a great tactic. I know, you know, we're big on process and documenting our processes, but really actually having an SOP for your content pieces in a way that you can tap into other resources, because we do think about it. Most of the time, our content team is going to be more senior people. They're, you know, sometimes writing and designing and, you know, doing all, you know, all of the things to get this good content created. But it doesn't take someone with that skill set to, you know, pull out quotes and, and throw them into a graphic in Canva. And quite often, there are a lot of underutilized resources, whether it's on the marketing team, on the, you know, administrative uh, assistant team, sometimes companies have interns, like those are great places where you're actually able to give those people new experiences. And, and for some, that could be a career defining moment of having that opportunity to learn content marketing by doing these things. So, so I really like that. And I made myself an action item. I was like, my team's needs to uh, take what we've already done and really uh, operationalize that. So always love when we can take some takeaways away from revenue rehab. Awesome. Yeah, I hope you do. I find it a really great way to bring uh, more junior people onto the team, make them part of the effort and really start uh, nurturing their careers. Because if you have it all spelled out, it's very easy to follow. You can even have someone note sort of time code. This quote was great. Use this. This quote was great. Use that. Um, and it starts to develop their marketing brain. So as you said, you can use interns. You can use people who are very new to the company and really start nurturing their career path. Um, and that's anytime we can help to grow people while also being a successful business. I am all in. Um, so let, let's, let's shift again and talk a bit about kickstarting lead flow. So we've talked a lot about content creation, how we repurpose it, but we haven't yet tied that content to how becoming a content machine is going to kickstart lead flow. So what's your perspective on that? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a chicken and the egg scenario. If you're putting a lot of content out there, guess what? It's going to drive leads to your, your website and your digital offers. Uh, absolutely. But then also, uh, like I said before, pulling in existing search traffic and really digging into those analytics and seeing how, why are people coming to your website? What are they searching already? Um, and what is the path that they're taking through your digital properties? Where are they ending up? I find analyzing this also provides a lot of insights as to what can we serve them during that journey where uh, there's patterns here. The majority of people are landing on this page. The uh, smaller majority is, is landing on this page. And then the last minority is over here. So what can we serve up on those secondary tertiary, um, fourth pages, et cetera, that can help uh, bring them a little bit further down the line and get them to take an action. Um, so really taking that analytical view and again, involving ops, I think is really key to taking what's already there and turning them into leads for your business instead of just browsers on your site. Okay. And this brings me to another point. So I was just thinking back, episode 37, I talked to uh, Wendy White and Jamie Romero, and we had a little bit of debate on gated versus ungated assets. And um, for those that are listening, if you haven't listened to that episode after you finish this one, jump back to episode 37. But I'd like to sort of get your take on this as well, because as we're talking about content 
and how content is driving lead flow, there's different schools of thought in terms of how we should gate content, when we should gate it, you know, why. So I'd love to hear you weigh in on that discussion as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I have a confession to make. Back in the day, like about eight, nine years ago, I was gating everything. So I, I am a former. <laughs> I am a former reformed gator. I will say reformed because when thinking about that prospect experience at this point, I mean, at the end of twenty twenty two, heading into twenty twenty three, who wants to fill out forms anymore? I mean, there's so much available online, and it's free. Uh, now we very closely guard our emails, and I can understand why someone would not want to give up that information voluntarily into a form because they always think the next step is they're going to get a call from a salesperson trying to sell them something. Um, so what I always recommend uh, when someone asks me this question is ungate it all. Ungate it all. Just a total free for all. You can see what people are doing in a very creepy way. You know, that's why that's why I say I'm drawn to marketing because I like creeping out on people through uh, computer <laughs> screens, which also sounds a little bit a little bit weird. Um, but I, I enjoy sort of predicting behavior based on patterns. Um, and I think a lot of marketers really uh, enjoy that part of it. And I think that predicting behavior based on what people are doing and then serving up what they need at the right time is really what marketers love doing, and we don't want to be invasive about it. So I think ungating content is really key until you get to something that is so high value that at this point, you really do need a clear intent signal. Uh, for instance, if it is a, um, I've seen a lot lately, these uh, interactive product demos um, that are created. I, I think Nevatic is one company that um, provides software to do that. It's really cool. Um, but having this on your website and just capturing an email address before you let someone into an interactive product demo, I think at that point, it's a very clear intent to really try out the product. And at that point, asking for an email address is likely not too much of an ask because the other person is getting so much value from it. Um, you really understand it is a clear transaction of value. And for things that aren't that clear transaction, just like a blog post or a white paper, don't gate it. Just <laughs> let it let it free, let it live. Um, okay, so you, you are team ungate everything, which is interesting because the debate there is always about the lead flow and whether... Um, you know, whether you are actually hindering your ability to nurture and to give your sales team enough at-bats, you know, to, to make a difference. Um, and I know, like, in addition to content, so, you know, I try to do my homework on all my guests, um, and I know that you have a methodology that you use with clients, and as a part of kickstarting that work, uh, that lead flow, it does have to do with the marketing and sales campaigns and, you know, how that content gets used between the two. Um, and I know you call it multi-channel nirvana, which I, I love that. I love that phrase. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that, of, of what do you see as that nirvana to kickstart lead flow between the two teams and the campaigns that they're running? Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't see marketing and sales content as anything different. As I mentioned, it's all one and the same. It is how the company brand and product it interacts with people out there. And so um, I don't think that uh, this 
messaging, uh, scripting, words, imagery, layouts should come from multiple sources. I do think that there should be that single centralized source of truth to create full alignment between whatever department is leveraging it, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales, whether it's customer success, whoever is using the content, it doesn't matter, but it still needs to come from a centralized source. So having uh, sales create um, their outreach scripts and um, all of their content in a silo is where you start to get misalignment between the marketing message and the sales message. And then I guess the term marketing content could be more applicable because now it's something different. This is what we really strive to solve in bringing marketing and sales together by creating that single source of truth uh, for content, messaging, words, and imagery that so that everyone is aligned and everyone is walking to the same beat of the same drum. Yeah, and I think that's so important because we think about, you know, customer experience is at the center of the process. And in some cases, you can have someone have a really great experience on the front end with the marketing content and how they've interacted with the website and, you know, the email nurtures and all those things. And then they get over to the sales team and it's almost like a whole different conversation. Like, did I reach out to the right company? Was that someone else? Um, or in some cases it's vice versa where, you know, the, the marketing experience is not quite there. And it, it is always interesting that they do seem to, it's almost like they get different messaging guides. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's like, did we, you know, not get the same version of the same document? Um, and yeah, when you do think about it as not, marketing content or sales content or, you know, not thinking about where, who's deploying the content, but content to support an initiative. I do think it goes uh, a, a lot further in helping to drive leads. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'm not saying at all that marketing needs to write sales outbound scripts word for word and the sales reps just send them as is. Um, I know I know a lot of sales reps would have a big problem with that. And I'm all for sales reps injecting their personality and adding uh, pieces of information that are key to that prospect and nurturing that one-on-one -on -one relationship. So I'm not saying that marketing has to dictate every part of it. Um, however, there does need to be that continuity. So I'm all about creating frameworks uh, for the teams to work from. So they're all working from sort of the same key phrases, the same key messaging that is flowed in throughout. So the same voice is brought in, even when the sales reps are customizing it to make them a little more personalized, a little more their own. Okay. And my last question is, you know, I, I know that sometimes these concepts that are seemingly really simple, you know, head of marketing, I'll say, yeah, like content marketing's table stakes. Like if you're not doing that, what are you really doing? Um, and so, you know, everyone is at least making an attempt at, at content marketing. We're all producing something. Can you describe what is the difference between good and great? Because I think sometimes we don't always know how high is up um, with marketing. And sometimes we're thinking like, yeah, what we're doing is totally fine. Like we might not be a content machine, but, you know, we're getting it done. So how do we go from good to great? How do we help people to see what the possibilities really are? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say the customer. 
They are the source of truth. And I could say what I think in a bubble all day long. Um, and I, I think that uh, some marketers do get in sort of this, they get in this headspace of, I know how to write this. I know how to create this great grabbing headline. I know the right words. But without customer feedback, it's in a silo. It's not going to help anything unless you do have a very, very concrete plan to get direct feedback from your real customers as to what made them buy, what words and phrases really, really light them up, um, what what turns them off, what turns them on in, in wanting to go to another page or read more. Your customer is key. And I find a lot of marketing teams are not able to bring that customer feedback loop into what they're doing to improve their content, to get it from good to great, because great content is what resonates with the customer. Full stop. Awesome. I think, well, that's a good place for me to say talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And so in traditional therapy, the therapist will give the client some homework. But here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. So thinking about the marketing leaders um, who are listening to Revenue Rehab, what is that one thing? What is the action item that you would give our listeners to help them to kickstart their lead flow and go from good to great when it comes to content marketing? Oh man, I, I want to give you three things, but I will <clears throat> I will follow the assignment and give you one. And I will say, in order to become a great content machine, um, create that content repurposing SOP today. Figure out what you're gonna do with what you've already done, and then do it. It will accelerate everything you're doing if you know that whatever, when we do something once, we now can produce 10 pieces from it and it is simple and we just hand it to somebody else and it is done and then get that customer feedback. How did it do? What did people do when they saw it? Bring it back to the customer always. Perfect. So our first, our one thing is within the next 30 days, schedule some time with your content team come up with that standard operating procedures for how we are going to repurpose content. <clears throat> well, thank you so, so much. Um, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. Excellent. Uh, my cat wants to say thank you. Um, <laughs> says thank you so much. Um, and I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your listeners time. I wanted to let everyone know that we do have a free gift for you. It is a download that you can get from us. And it is on our website at uh, forward slash revenue hyphen rehab. And um, <laughs> Randy's going to give you the link to that. And it is become a content machine, the content the content conversion system. So you can download it there and you can get some tips and tricks for creating that content repurposing SOP and get your content on track today. Awesome. I always love freebies. So we will make sure to link to that in the show notes. Um, and how else can our audience connect with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to our website, which is at revspark.com. That's R-E-V-V-S-P-A-R-K.com. And if you want to reach out to me, feel free to directly. I am always on email and I am always available. Carly at revspark.com, just by first name, Carly at revspark. <laughs> I am happy to answer any content questions and help you on your way to becoming a great content team. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I hope everyone has enjoyed my conversation with Carly. I can't believe we're at the end. See you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.